So my go-to framework is to have like one sentence, you know, what this project is about, and then say, these are the three pros and these are the three cons. And the cons are equally important to the pros. The story you tell is so important. It's like having that steak presented to you with the mashed potatoes just flop right on top of it or it's sitting right next to it with some piece of greenery on the plate laid in front of you very nicely, right? It's the same meal. Man, how it is presented is so important. Our guest today, Peter Pomeroy, is going to help us understand just how he does that. He's worked in both corporate entrepreneurial real estate for over 20 years in investment, development, construction, and brokerage. And during his, his tenure, he's, he's worked with multiple product types, including apartments, single-family homes, office, warehouse, and land. His experience across different real estate product types and different geological markets gives him a seasoned perspective to identify sound investment opportunities. I've known Peter for a couple of years now. We met at a conference a while back, uh, and so it's neat to hear where he's at now, what he's doing, uh, but how he's growing as well. He's going to help us to think through that story and how we're communicating with investors. He's also going to get into his biggest challenge over the last year and why that's so important and also some structure to his morning that he lays out in great detail that will be helpful for you as well. Peter, welcome to the show. Just getting to read a little bit about you. I mean, you have a vast level of experience in commercial real estate, uh, to say the least. So grateful for your time and willingness to just share some of that with listeners and I today. Uh, Give us a little bit of that backstory, though. uh, And so we can know uh, the listeners and myself can understand a little more about you. uh, And then we're going to dive into some of your specific specialties and our expertise. Thanks for having me on the show. So my background is pretty diverse. And um, in many ways, I feel like it's about you know focusing and focusing and focusing into a product type that I like for a host of reasons. But uh, very quickly, uh, after business school, I went to work for a large uh, general contractor in San Francisco and um, did a, a big rehab and really liked the construction side. But I also uh, wanted to um, be on the owner side of the table. And I wasn't quite sure how to do that. So I went to work uh, at Collier's as a broker, which is not getting on the owner side of the table, but it felt like that was getting closer. And so I was a broker at Collier's for a number of years, did well, uh, enjoyed it. My focus there was on office leasing downtown. You know, there was some investment and development work that I also did. And I also, and, and when I did that, I really liked it. So in 2007, I left Collier's just as the economy was kind of going skyrocketing up to work for smaller investment development companies as uh, like an investment manager, a development manager on their projects. And with them, I bought deals and sold deals and did a lot of kind of entitlement work for housing in the Bay Area. So Along that way, uh, we lost an office property in Cupertino, California. It was just all about you know bad timing. It happened uh, just as the financial crisis happened. Uh, so that was a pretty painful experience. I had a lot of sweat equity in that, so that set me back a little bit. So you know, got back up on my feet in the process. Got a W two job because I had to you know have insurance and all this stuff. You know, kind of back to you know, stability. Did that, and then let's see. Then I. Um, went back into real estate and did more of the work for these investment development companies. And along the way, I got to do a massive heavy lift of a um, apartment building in Northern California. And I thought as I was doing that project, wow, this is such a resilient product type as compared to the office product type. This, I need to get more into this. And I just didn't know how to do that. I didn't know that there were educational platforms on the internet. So I didn't even know to like put that in the internet to look. And then, you know, so I, I did more work 
work, some multifamily, some office. Ultimately, I connected up with uh, Neil Bawa's boot camp. I really liked him. He's in the Bay Area. He thinks in a way that I like and uh, did that. And then that you know just kind of led to getting deeper and deeper into this space, this kind of small middle market multifamily space that um, we're in. And I think probably many of your listeners are in or or contemplating. Uh, Peter, I appreciate going through some high level stuff there of your background. And uh, and Neil's been on the show numerous times uh, a while back and we've talked about lots of different things. So yeah, great guy. What does he call himself? The mad scientist of real estate or something like that. Yeah. So you know, he is somebody that definitely knows, or yeah, goes into the details and and uh, we can learn a lot from him. Uh, but I wanted to move back a little bit, you know, and we don't have to spend a ton of time here, but you know, that project, you know, you said you lost a lot and, and you even stressed just the very painful, right? Uh, you know, it was a project that was very painful. But you know what? I mean, what stuck out to me there is that you even went and got a W-2 to get back on your feet, right? Uh, you know, and, and to keep the ball rolling at least. It, but then you got back into real estate. Could you speak to just the thought process there a little bit or maybe even influences from family or friends or or spouse or, you know, those things that are saying, wait a minute, Peter, you remember what happened? You know, and then you're going to go do it again. You know, was, was there any of that? How did you, because there's probably listeners also that are thinking, man, you know, I've already, already messed up on the first deal and I don't think I want to do it again. Or maybe their spouse didn't want to do it again. Or what did that look like? That's a good one. I didn't plan for that. I think that it created a lot of strain. And in that strain, there was a lot of trade-offs that were made. So we lived in the San Francisco Bay Area after having put a lot of work into this one particular endeavor and it just kind of like dissolving, you know, for everybody. And it wasn't, you know, due to bad choices. Nobody could have predicted uh, Lehman Brothers would go under and then all these tenants would just stay in their their existing places. But nonetheless, that's what happened. As part of the trade-offs, we agreed to take a break from real estate. And I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll get a W-2 job. I was really fortunate to be, you know, get hired pretty quickly. I didn't understand a thing I was doing in this new job. Like even conceptually, I, it was difficult. And that might be all about me. It was, it was a, a software as a service company. And then later I would work for a um, uh, employee benefits insurance company. And that was actually quite interesting. But you know, nonetheless, I, I wanted to get back into real estate. In terms of part of the trade-offs where we left San Francisco, we moved up to the Pacific Northwest where my wife at the time her family lived. We had a, did a full regrouping there, kind of got our back on our feet, if you will. Then once that happened, I realized it was time to, for us to move back to San Francisco. And I knew that I would want to get into real estate again, despite trying very hard to explore and be excited about a different industry, which isn't to say that I'm not capable of, let's say, leaving real estate and doing a different industry, but I wasn't capable and ready then. I was still completely focused on my goal. You know, then the bargaining happened again and we moved back to San Francisco and, um, you know, I could kind of put my toe into it. And then I, you know, the, the economy was different and I was able to get these kind of long, longer term uh, consulting jobs that provided, you know, some sense of steady income versus big pops at milestones. So it was a little bit different in terms of my compensation. And so that's what I did. But that worked out, but it's not been at all an easy process. It's been an incredible experience and there have been some like wins and successes and, and wow, I didn't think that was going to happen. You know, there's also some low points for sure. Yeah. I appreciate your transparency and, and just making it real. It's not easy being an entrepreneur. It's not easy, at, you know, in, in real estate in general. Uh, but I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing path, you know, for those that are willing to keep getting back up, right? I hear it so often on the show and you did that. You're a great example of that. Uh, but I, you know, I want to jump into your expertise and, you know, and we talked a little bit about it before the show, but, you know, you talked about, you know, understanding the, the investments, investment story. Now, you know, walk us through what that means a little bit, maybe the importance of that. And, and then let's dive into how. So I think a lot of my investors, and I'm going to think about the investment story from like when I'm presenting to investors, you do the same thing with you're presenting to a bank who's going to give 
give you a loan or a KP or other GPs. And so, you know, the first step is to really know, you know, the market you're in and the investment and know it in, you know, as much detail as time will allow. Cause you know, obviously things get moving quickly, get moving quickly. And um, it's almost like I digest the investment and then out comes like a thesis, a high level thesis statement that if I'm meeting with say a CEO of a, of a public company or, or somebody who has a, like a big job, like a lot of times that's where they want to start is like the, the one sentence, what is this about? Why is it good? Why is it bad? And from there, you know, you support your, your thesis statement with the analysis that you've done, which might be, well, you know, rent comps, operating, all of the kind of categories that fall under that. And that's how I was trained in my life and in jobs. I worked, I didn't mention, I worked at Deloitte for a while. And that was almost like going to business school all over again, but, you know, in a super applied way. And, you know, they taught me a certain way to like present something, not that I do it all the time or anything, but I've found that to be very helpful and work stylistically with me. But yes, this investment story and then all of the pieces that fall under it. And usually when I'm engaging, whether it's a LP, potential investor or GP, I love it. And and frequently it's a lively, engaging conversation where people will say, I don't believe that. You get into the engagement. For me, that's just a great deal of fun because one, I know they're interested. And two, it just, for me, it makes life a a bit more fun than, oh yeah, we'll invest. No problem. (laughs) I know it sounds odd. I like it. I like it a little challenging. Speak to that investment story, just the importance of the story, how you come up with this, with the story, what's important to create the story for investors. What does that look like? Or maybe, you know, research that you've done, or, or I don't know things you know you want to include every time? In terms of a framework to identify the investment story, I don't have that yet. And I don't have a like a framework, a matrix, a, that kind of thing. But what I do is, is I really try to, you know, you've, you've heard this analogy is peel the layers of the onion till you get to the, wait a minute, were you an onion farmer? You were a farmer at one point, right? Trained horses. Oh, horses. All right. All right. All right. I, I just remember from side note here from 2020, when we first met, you were talking about the farm and so forth. So. Oh yeah, that's fun. But no, I love it. Anyway, so the idea is is to like what you know get at the essence of this investment. We have an investment that we're right now we're we're taking the market and we're raising capital for. And this investment is you know its investment thesis is something along you know the former owner uh, renovated twenty units and is already achieving our projected rents. We will renovate forty more units in a like simple straightforward way and deliver returns you know accordingly. It's kind of a vanilla investment thesis. That's the deal itself. I might present it was a little bit more sizzle, but understanding that, you know, this investment that I'm just, I'm referring to, it's not the heavy value add. It's not, you know, lights flashing, exciting. Well, you know, could be a big conflict and this, that, and the other. This is a do the repetitions over and over again, i.e. improve the units, do it in a timely way, and then you'll achieve your returns and be successful. Whereas we were raised uh, or, or partners on the uh, property in Tucson, Redondo Tower, and that's a, a nine-story, 96-unit apartment building. And just by virtue of being nine stories, it has a lot of kind of exciting elements to it. It's it's a retro building. And so you know, there's a lot of aspects to that property investment and just the asset itself that can excite people into wanting to participate in it. I hope that helps. Yeah, thinking about the parts that excite people to want to invest in. And of course, we want to be as transparent, honest, you know, and all those things. Uh, but man, thinking about how something's presented makes a big deal, uh, right? Or a big deal of difference. It uh, makes me think about, uh, you know, like that, uh, 
uh, you know, you get served at a restaurant, you know, everybody's thought about this analogy before, but have you really and how you present a deal? You know, it's like they bring out that steak and potatoes. If they just throw the potatoes right on top of the steak and hand it to you, it doesn't look near as good to you, right? You know, as opposed to, you know, if it's presented well and it's set on the plate well, maybe there's a something green on the plate as well. You know, like how it's presented makes a big difference. And I will say there is a framework. So my go-to framework is to have like one sentence, you know, what this project is about and then say, these are the three pros. And these are the three cons. And the cons are equally important to the pros because that's, I usually say, like, for example, and it's really a risk. So here's a risk is that our rent projections won't hit what we projected and, you know, they're 10% less. And then I usually then say, and this is what, if that happens, these are some things that we would do about it. You know, the second one that's like popular right now uh, or relevant is our CapEx uh, expenditures are 15% higher and take, uh, you know, longer, 20% longer to like execute on the interior unit improvements. And so this is what we're, what we can do about managing that risk. So I really focus on like first, like kind of the positive aspects and then equally, um, the risks to the investor. And I found that one that relaxes everybody because I'm not just saying, Hey, it's going to be great. And two, I often can learn a lot about how an investor thinks about, you know, risks and reward um, by just listening, you know, once I kind of get that out. Uh, listening is a crucial component as well. Right. So any other ways that you then communicate with the investors about that uh, deal or through that investment story that, that maybe I haven't asked you? ways in which we communicate. So, I mean, we talk one other, one partner, uh, John Fowler, and we are, you know, hand-holding, and I mean that in the most positive, respectful way uh, with our investors. And we are doing that because a lot of them, they may be sophisticated investors, have, you know, large net worth. And a private investment in a piece of real estate is a much more relational thing. Investor Joe, if he has a concern for any reason, he's going to call Peter and want to get a hold of me. And my guess is he may call on a Saturday, maybe not a Sunday, but, you know, a Sunday maybe. And I don't need to get back to him within the hour if it's a weekend, but, you know, I need to get back to them. I think our investors expect that kind of concierge service, if you will. And um, and that's what we deliver. We're not at a point where we have so much kind of investor velocity through, say, our you know online presence that we can hire um, an investor relations person who kind of goes through the basics. I'd love to get to it at that point at some point. You know, that's not where we are yet. You know, speak to what's been your biggest challenge over the last 12 months, Peter? Focus, 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 focus. You know, I swear, Whitney, it's been a like spiritual journey to focus and let go of things and focus. And in, in all aspects of my life, that would be a longer podcast. But so I had done some entitlement. I liked how on multifamily. And then I got to do this uh, small 23 unit gut and redo apartment building that worked out. In about 2019, late 19 or 20, when I was like, okay, we're doing Northlight Growth Properties, it's me. Um, we're focusing on apartments. Then all of a sudden it was like, well, maybe we should consider a warehouse because I have experience in that. Oh, and I've got experience in office. We could do a small office. We could do medical office. We, you know, so it's less, less risky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, time is just going by. You know, I had to let go of all of those other shiny things that are like good investments. And frankly, you know, we could do them and let go of all those things to focus on apartment buildings, value add apartment buildings, the ones like everybody else is going after and then try to differentiate somehow in, in, in our approach. But yeah, it's been focused. And also, you know, this might be helpful for some listeners is in that process, I had partners kind of come and go and, and we're still all great friends and everything, but it was just because their interests became more clear to them and their interests were not necessarily apartments. It was, you know, ATM machines and funds or development. So, you know, there's this process that you can't control of bringing people in and we're all still trying to figure out what we want to focus on, but you have to go through it. And then when I was finally like, 
really dogged in, I don't want to even think about anything else but apartments. That's when we started to get more traction, both as a, in the product type. And then also we were like, we're going to focus entirely on Phoenix and Tucson. That really helped. Yeah. Focus. Uh, it's a shiny object syndrome sometimes, right? A lot of people refer to focusing on, uh, like you said, whether it's asset class or market or whatever, man, it just can make things a lot more simple, right? It can help you to move so much faster. Uh, no doubt about it. I was thinking through that. Is there anything that that's helped you as far as focus? Because right? I, I think it's a big subject. Uh, Maybe there's something that's helped you to think through, man, am I focused in this area or how have I decided what to focus on specifically? I think the motivation to focus was like, not to sound a little bit over the top, the motivation was through pain and suffering. You know, even if you're like, oh, I work a lot of hours and all this stuff. Like for me, I was not getting stuff done. I couldn't see the accomplishments, measurable accomplishments. I wanted to see them. And that frustration led me to realize I need to let go of doing a build to rent project in Austin. We could have done one and probably would have been good, but that was outside of our kind of circle at that time. And um, in terms of what kind of got us focused. And I think we had to like, you know, we had to go through some partners and not in an acrimonious way, but like when a partner leaves, he's been working with you for a while, like everyone's bummed out and uh, that's just how it is. And so I, you know, I had to go through that a bunch of times and it's just exhausting because again, you know, it takes away from a desire to focus on, you know, a product type. And we'd love to expand into other like options, but our view is, is until, you know, we do 10 apartment buildings in the Western part of the U S ideally, you know, when we, after we do that, we can maybe introduce to our investors who will be more seasoned, a product type that might be very similar to apartments, but is a little bit different. And then, you know, we could explore other options that way. Appreciate that. I uh, just, yeah, your transparency as well through that, Peter. Uh, all right, Peter, uh, you know, if you, Final questions, but uh, tell me what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? We're finally kicking off our uh, like our CRM marketing campaign and uh, still too early to tell how that's going to investors who might be interested in this current project or just generally want to like get to know, have the get to know you call how that's going to materialize. So, but I'm making a big bet on that. And so we're going to be myself in particular, you know, producing more content, getting on, you know, podcasts like yours, Whitney, and, you know, start sharing our story. I think that I would say that there's a spiritual process to real estate investing, which I, I think is like another great topic for a podcast. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. And so I integrate my faith with my work, you know, like, you know, very tightly, you know, I had a, a belief that I needed to find my voice. Peter, find your voice. I was, I'm not even entirely sure what that means, but it does mean, you know, getting on podcasts and, you know, asking at a conference, Hey, let me speak for five minutes. Promise not to mess it up. But the point is, is get out there, you know, speak some and experience the, you know, like the, the crashes. And when you do, you know, you're humble, you get back up. That's the spiritual part, right? You know, keep at it because I feel like that's something I need to do. And that will lead us to, you know, investors and KPs and other people. And, you know, that's for me, one of the greatest things about the, the real estate is uh, that you meet all of these different people from different backgrounds. I mean, it's just, it's just terrific. And in many ways, it's a, a byproduct of the pandemic where we're all on these Zooms and meeting this way. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not grateful for the pandemic, but I am grateful for like this, this aspect of uh, the pandemic, Zooms and meetups and all. Yeah. You know, I, what it sounds like too, is, you know, you're just, you're willing to be uncomfortable right? You're, you're willing to get out of your comfort zone and you even see the need to, to make that happen. I remember that very well for myself. It's like, man, you know, the first time I was asked to speak at a meetup, I knew that I needed to commit quickly or I'd probably back out, right? So I just said, oh yeah, I'll do it. And then it's like, oh boy, you know, what am I going to talk about? Uh, you know, and then trying to prepare for that. 
but that was the beginning of much more than I ever imagined as far as speaking and whatnot. But uh, it's incredible, you know, just your willingness to get out of your comfort zone because uh, we all have to do that. Uh, no doubt about it. Peter, what are some of the most important metrics that you track? It could be personally, professionally, or both, maybe one. So I use OneNote as my kind of to-do tracker. It's kind of big. It's got pages and it's a little bit complex. And then I actually just use kind of like one page, which is basically a to-do. And again, what I, I like to do is get all my to-dos, put them under categories, then try and figure out which categories are not that important, which ones are important, both important in terms of like immediate results, immediate benefit, and important in terms of a benefit down the road. So an immediate benefit might be, you know, I call Whitney and I chat with him and, and tell him about this investment. And he's like, great, thanks. Uh, a longer term investment might be, um, you know, I'm going to do a blog, I'm going to do blog posts now, I'm going to do one every week or whatever it is. And putting that time to do that work and literally shutting everything off and doing it. And then just having faith that over time, you know, benefits will come. What are some daily habits, Peter, that you have that have, say, produced the highest return or disciplines that you that you have? All right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly. This works for me and everyone else is you know, going to have a different program. But my best days are I get into my office. I probably get in here around eight. And I, I do this thing. It's a, the day one diary. And I have a template in there. It's called my daily practice. And the first things are identify five things I'm grateful for. Then I identify three things that I'm giving to God. So for me, that's very important. But, you know, it could be just things I'm letting go of or accepting. And then if I have the time, I might read the Bible a little bit, but I have not so much lately. And then I do, and then I, I write out a prayer because I must be ADD because when I say a prayer, I like tune out and stuff. So I write it out and I try to follow a real simple format that you know, kind of is like gratitude, a petition that's like, oh man, help me out here. I'm nervous. And then, and then the final one, which is one that I've been really working on is almost standalone is some sort of statement of faith in, and confidence that it'll happen. It'll, it's going to happen. And, you know, that's part mindset. It's also, you know, from my Christian uh, purview, it's also very biblical. And so that's what I, I do. I do that. I don't do it seven days a week, but there's a lot of weeks where it's five days a week. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing. I, I, I love it when when a, a guest can just say, "Hey, here's here's some habits or disciplines that are helping me," and uh, and this is exactly what they are. That, that's incredible. Uh, what about uh, Peter? How do you like to give back? And I'd say I'm not giving back as much as I would like to. But one of the things that I've done is so I went through a divorce. It was a very unpleasant divorce. I don't know of any that are pleasant, but nonetheless, it took me to my knees. So every once in a while through like a friend or whatever, and my friends know about like that this was a challenging time, they'll connect me with somebody who's starting to go through that or in the middle of it or on the tail end. And I will, um, you know, I'll, I'll make myself available to them and over text, you know, over the phone or whatever. So that's the way that I give back that means the most. And I would like to continue doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's often those hard times are where, man, we, we gain so much experience and not always wanted. Uh, however, it does help us to help others who are experiencing the same things, right? Um, and so appreciate you being willing to share that uh, and, and help others in that way as well. Uh, Peter, I'm grateful to have connected again and to have had you on the show and to go through just some of your expertise around the investment summary or the, and, you know, how we 
present that story of our investment, how communicating that with investor, investors, some of those things that you do around that. Uh, and just your willingness to be transparent and step out of your comfort zone, I think, man, it's just crucial in any, almost any business, right? Any entrepreneur, uh, and, and you're doing that. And I think it's, you're a great example in that for each of us as well. Uh, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Probably the easiest and best way is just my email, uh, uh, Peter at North lightgrowth.com. Uh, Northlightgrowth.com uh, is also our website. Uh, or you can go obviously on LinkedIn and uh, hit Peter Pomeroy and shoot me a message. Those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 